Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. All right, in the building, all the way from Tampa, Florida, we have one of my heroes. One of the overseers of this church. And overseers, we have three senior leaders outside of the church that help oversee us and oversee me specifically. That way, when I'm feeling like I'm too close to the ledge and I, they're like, yo, try to talk me back. It's okay. God's got this. Pastor Tommy's been pouring in wisdom to me for years. I was in your coaching network and so many of the things we do, we've learned from you. So thank you. And if people were to learn of your story now and enter like, what's, God doing in Pastor Tommy's life at Crossover Church. Well, Pastor Tommy just spoke at Purpose Driven Conference with Rick Warren. Rick Warren was on the cover of Time Magazine, and he's eating lunch with them. Or maybe you'd hear about a story where there's 43,000 square foot renovated that was a Toys R Us that now they have a church doing urban ministry in Tampa in a part of town known as Suitcase City because it's known for its prostitution. They're loving deeply there, but that's not how I think of the story. Not all the highlights and amazing things you're doing. How I think of the story is how you started. That 20 years ago, you took over and was a youth pastor for a church of 40. And now look at a church over a thousand, investing in churches and leading. And you're a prolific author. You're a great friend. You're a great father. And you're an amazing rapper and an amazing poet. So all of these things. Will you give a warm city life welcome to one of my personal heroes, Passy Tommy. Prolific. Wow. It's using them big words. City life, man. It's good to be with you guys. I love y'all. I feel like I'm at home here. This is my third time to come up. And many of you guys have come down. How many of y'all have been down to Tampa before? Some of y'all have been down to Flavor Fest. Y'all brought like a squad a couple times, like, you know, 20, 25 people. And so, uh, yeah, I've, I've known Jerome since way before he was Pastor Jerome when all of this was just a dream. And it was just a vision. And it was just a thought of like, I feel like I'm called to plant a church in Lansing. And, you know, I tried to hire him to come to Tampa because he's a sharp guy. And, uh, you know, he almost came. But uh, he called me and said, I got bad news. I'm not coming. But I got good news. I'll come for a couple months to learn from you because, you know, I, I want to I plant this church. God's put it on my heart to plant it even sooner. And so just to watch and know the story, like he said, knowing my story, like when it was just 40 adults and one teenager, the one, right? But then to, you know, know your guys' story when this was just a dream and a thought, now to come and see it live and in action and see all the incredible stuff that you guys are doing. I share this at the 10 o'clock service. Sometimes when you're in the middle of something amazing, you can take it for granted, right? Let me, let, me, let me tell you as a guest that's coming from the outside, you know, I'm still part of the extended fan, but from the outside, let me tell you guys, you're part of something amazing. And you might come week in and week out and be a part of things and, you know, sometimes things can get routine, but man, God is doing something amazing here in Lansing, Michigan. And so give it up for yourselves, man. You guys are awesome. You guys have an awesome leadership team here, Pastor Jerome and Crystal. And like this place is healthy. There's good stuff happening. And so, uh, so greetings from my family from Crossover. A lot of people say what's up. And, and y'all been taking good care of my man, Modi. Where's Modi at? Is he in the room right now? Modesto. Some of y'all know Modi. Oh, he's about there working. He's always working, right? 
So uh, we're so grateful he's up here doing an internship with you guys. And uh, also in the first service, there was a couple people from Crossover that moved to Ohio. They drove all the way over to service today. But uh, man, we're all, we're all family, right? So here's my fam. There's my wife, Lucy, and my girls, Deanna and Sophia. So my wife, Lucy's holding it down, down in Tampa. She's preaching today, all three services. So she's killing it. Right, My girls, they just started back to school. We started school a little earlier, two weeks ago. So 11th grade and 8th grade. So pray for me. I got two teenage girls. If anyone's selling a gun, let me know if you can give me a good deal. I got to keep the boys away. Right? Um, But so there's great stuff happening in Tampa. Um, God is doing amazing things. I'm going to share a little bit about that today. But how many of y'all know, even in the middle of good stuff happening, sometimes there's, there's hard things that happen as well. It's almost like these two parallel things that are happening many times. So, so we're family, and so I'm gonna open up with a spoken word piece today, talking about some, some tough stuff that I've been through a little bit. So maybe you're going through some stuff today, and I pray that this will encourage you a little bit. This uh, spoken word piece is called Eternal. It's been a tough season been some really difficult things that me and my family have been through, but one thing that's really helped me is my perspective. And City Life fam, I pray that this helps you with yours. Here's my story. I recently lost my father. Eight months later, I lost my mother. On top of that, I lost a spiritual dad. (laughs) It's been a real struggle. My memories have been on shuffle. I'm thinking about the good times, but now it all sounds muffled. My heart is so troubled. See, my dad had an aneurysm, never fully recovered. He laid in bed for 16 years, 320 days. And we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed that my pops would get raised. But eventually, he got worse and died. And I wrestled with the Creator and cried out, God! Why do you let the good ones have to die? First, I didn't get a clear answer. In the middle of that pain, my mom got diagnosed with cancer. I'm seeing her deteriorate into a different person. Physically and emotionally, the pain continued to worsen. But I know, somehow, God's got this. But after a three-year battle, my mom got put on hospice. It's so hard to watch this. Someone that was so full of life, now didn't have the energy to walk someone that was so full of words now didn't have the energy to talk but she fought and he fought and I held on to the scriptures that they taught they fought their fight they finished their race they taught me grace they set the pace now they get to see their creator's face as I spill out these words on my journal there's a word that comforts me eternal soul lives on after we leave this earth the bible promises heaven to those that have a spiritual rebirth with jesus he comforts us he frees us so the best is yet to come it's gonna get better i'll see you soon fam because we're gonna live forever father we come before you today a good God, even in the middle of loss, 
even in the middle of struggle, tragedy, is still good. We declare that today. God, I pray for anyone that's here this morning that might be struggling, that might be going through a rough time right now, that might be hurting, someone that might be wrestling with depression and wondering even what their purpose is. God, I pray that even this morning you'll breathe new life into them. Let, you, let them know that you love them, you've got a plan for them, a purpose, and your Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you'll just wrap your arms around them and comfort them. Comfort them and speak to them in these next few moments. God, you're good. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. All right, everybody, take a breath. I know it's a little heavy to start out today, um, but sometimes we have to be real, right? We have to be transparent. Sometimes people can be tempted to come to church and say, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. Or we might get super spiritual. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored, right? Sometimes we just have to be real. Like, man, I'm going through some stuff. Pray for me. We're supposed to be there for each other as family. And listen, uh, when you're honest and you open up to other people, it can help so much with that process uh, of healing. And then also, there's so many people that go through some pain. Anybody been through some pain recently in the past year, right? Look around the room. You're not alone. When you share that pain with other people, you know what? It helps us not to get paralyzed in our pain. A lot of people get paralyzed and stuck in it. But today, I pray that your pain will propel you into your purpose. And you realize it's not just always about you, but when you start to think about other people and you serve other people, guess what? That helps with healing. And so we're coming up to Love Our City Week. Love the City Week is coming up in just a few weeks. And that's going to be an opportunity for you to, to get outside of maybe even some of the problems and the emotions and the things that you're going through and serve somebody else. And watch how that be can become just a healing process for you. Um, down in Tampa this year in 2019, our theme is, is freedom. And so our, our scripture verse that we've been using is Galatians 5.13. And so, um, so help me out. Every time like we get to that word freedom, I just want you to say it. But say it like William Wallace. Y'all yeah, remember Braveheart, right? Okay, okay, okay. Y'all ready? So for you have been called to live in freedom. my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom. to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom. to serve one another in love. And so we live in a culture that word freedom has been hijacked many times. And people could say, well, freedom just means just go and do whatever you feel like. Go and do whatever you want. But no, the scripture tells us, uh, Paul wrote this to the church, uh, to the Galatians. And Galatians said, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Don't do it to just be like, yeah, I'm just going to go do whatever I feel like. Get caught up in my emotions and my feels. Uh, no, it says instead use your freedom to serve one another in love. And that's what we're getting to do. Today, we're kind of kicking off this series to get ready to love the city and to get ready to love the one. And here's the thing. We live in a world, if you haven't noticed, everything's changing. How many of y'all have noticed? There's a lot of disruption happening. I mean, think about it for a few minutes. Amazon has changed the way that we shop, right? That's why we're in a Toys R Us store right now, because Toys R Us is gone, right? Um, Uber has changed the way that we catch a ride. Ten years ago, if you would have said to somebody, yeah, I'm an Uber to the store, people would have been like, what are you talking Now everybody knows what that means. It's disrupted the way that we catch a ride. Uh, remember Blockbuster? Yeah. Along came Netflix, <laughs> right? And uh, Netflix, I got to recently sit in a, in, a, in a talk, like a TED talk, with one of the founders of Netflix, and he talked about when they went to Blockbuster to have a meeting because they were trying to partner and merge, and Blockbuster laughed at him. 
right? Funny, right? Crazy what, what, what begins to happen. And you just look at all these different things. We could talk about lots of different industries. So much disruption is happening. And guess what? There's a lot more coming down the road. Um, cars are going to drive themselves. And, and soon it's going to happen. It's coming. It's coming. You're going to be like, what? For real? Like, you know, cars that are going to fly. Yeah, that's coming too. I'm, I'm serious. I get to sit on this board in our neighborhood. Uh, our neighborhood has now become uh, an innovation district. And so I sit on this board with business leaders and tech leaders and CEOs of company, and we're regularly trying to be ahead of the curve and get a lot of that technology into our neighborhood because we're trying to rebuild it from Suitcase City to this innovation district now. We have a big university, and there's a lot of great anchors, but then there's also a lot of neighborhoods that are struggling. And so we're trying to raise the temperature and give everybody an, an opportunity. And so I'm, I'm so excited to get to sit in that room, but I, but I hear about all this disruption that's coming just around the corner. Our neighborhood's actually the first place in the world where you can get a Tesla for public transportation. Yeah, you go on the city app for Heartline and you can get a car to come pick you up and it might be a Tesla, the, the one that, that has the wings, the, the wing doors that go, it's really cool, right? So, but at the same time, not just technology and all the stuff that's changing the way that we live, but cities are changing. Every city I go to is changing rapidly. Lansing, there's changes that are happening here. There's immigrants that are coming in. There's people that are coming in from other places and they want to live in the city and neighborhoods are gentrifying and yet there's other neighborhoods that are struggling and you have all this convergence of uh, different age groups and different ethnic groups and different languages and different skin colors and different economic brackets and they're all living together in the same neighborhood on the same block, right? And so our neighbors are becoming more diverse. At the same time, we live in a time where there seems to be more discrimination, division, and disrespect than many of us in here can ever remember. I mean, I'm over 40 years old now. I can't remember a time when it seemed like it was so divided. And so we read, you know, the 24-hour news cycle headlines, and, you know, we see stuff on our social media timelines, and we're like, our hearts are broken many times. We're like, man, I can't believe what's happening in the world around us. And we, as if you're here and you're a believer in Jesus, we got any believers in the house? Right, right, okay, okay. So, so we, have, we have the answer. We have the answer. We have the solution. We're called to be agents of reconciliation. But many times we're not invited to the table because churches haven't been good at loving their neighbor. Sundays is still the most segregated hour in America. So we don't have any credibility many times in many situations that come to the table. But guess what? A church like City Life Lansing, a church like Crossover Church down in Tampa, look around the room here. You'd look around the room in Tampa and see the same thing. Give it up for yourself. This is a beautiful picture of what heaven's going to look like. Churches like ours that are multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multi-class, we have some credibility to come to the table and say, man, we can bring healing. And, and, and we can love our neighbors, and people can learn to find the things that we have in common instead of the things that divide us. And so um, you guys are doing an amazing job. You're, you're an anomaly, but praise God, there's more and more churches that are becoming multi-ethnic and striving and being intentional to love all the city and not just people that look like them and smell like them and talk like them and dress like them. But if you look around the room, there's all kinds of diversity here, and you belong here. Everybody matters. We love you guys. And so uh, before we get to the text today, you know what? I I'm going to do one more spoken word piece. This will kind of get our wheels turning for the text that we're going to look at. And so this is called, Will You Be My Neighbor? My Neighbor. Anybody recognize that music out there? 
Okay. So if you're under like 25, you could Google Mr. Rogers. Heard he got a movie coming out. So. Goes like this. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Will you be my neighbor? But wait, there's some conditions. See, you need to line up with my neighbor rendition. You need to line up with my position on the border wall, immigration, and prison reform. See, neighbor, you don't have to look like me, but you have to assimilate and conform to what I think is the norm. And if not, then I'll block you. I'll drop you. Matter of fact, you could be sure that behind your back, I'll mock you. But if you do line up with my ideas, well, great. But wait, I need to check your papers, your credit score. And by the way, are you straight? Because <laughs> honestly, I hate people that are different than me. I don't even talk to half the people in my family tree because they don't even know how to be a good neighbor like me. <laughs> yeah. See, you know what, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that think like that, a lot of Christians that think like that. They say, yeah, let's go love, let's go love the city. I'll go love the one, but as long as they think like me and value what I do and vote like I do, and, and then I can love them, but if they're different than me, well, talk to the hand. But here's how it's really supposed to be. So what did Jesus mean when he said to love your neighbor as you love yourself? So many people don't know because the Bible is collecting dust up on the shelf. Luke chapter 10, there's a powerful lesson. Jesus was asked, who is my neighbor, as the question. And his culture, like ours, was full of discrimination. People chose their neighbor by process of elimination. He told this parable about this Samaritan that was despised. Two religious leaders walked by and basically compromised. But Jesus revised this Samaritan's title to good because he stopped and helped this beat-up Jew like a good neighbor would, even though their people had beef. And if that Jew would have been healthy, he might have given that Samaritan some grief. So what can we learn? No matter our neighbor's politics, lifestyle, or skin color, we can show them the love of Christ as a sister or a brother. Yeah. And if you believe that, make some noise in the house. So look at the person next to you and ask him, will you be my neighbor? Go ahead. Ask the person that's on the other side, well, you, you can be my neighbor too. So Luke chapter 10, y'all, that's what we're going to be looking at for a couple minutes this morning. Jesus reminds us who our neighbors are. And there was this religious leader that knew the law inside and out. And he stepped to Jesus and he was trying to really make Jesus look bad and make himself look good. And so... Verse 25, starting in Luke chapter 10, it says this. It says, one day, an expert in religious law stood up to, what did he do to, to Jesus? To what? To test him. He asked him this question. He said, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And so I love Jesus' reply. He said, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? So like in classic Jesus form, he gets asked a question, he throws a question back. I love every time in the Gospels you can see when people are trying to throw Jesus out there and throw shade on him, you know, put him on blast. He always like flips it on him, right? So he asks him the question, well, how do you see it? What, what it? So the guy, he kind of had this canned answer 
like, and, like he knew it by heart, and he just, you know, I can just picture, you know, the words and the way, the tone that he said it, and he said, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So this guy didn't do it, but he knew, he knew the right things, what to say, right? And so Jesus said, right. He said, do this and you will live. So that part went well. But here's where the conversation gets interesting. Look at verse 29. It says, the man he wanted to, what did he want to do with his actions, y'all? Justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, he said, and who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Who should I love, Jesus? So basically, he was trying to choose who he could love. He was looking for a loophole. He really just wanted to love the people that looked like him, dressed like him, talked like him, smelled like him. You know, Jerome said, you know, that guy had some serious, you know, cologne, cologne game up here, right? He's a cologne connoisseur. Like, yeah. Jerome notices, notices how people smell. He does, man. Oh, Jerome, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I got ADD, man. He, he started it. So yesterday, man, he picked me up at the airport, and he bumped into the bumper the guy in front of him, and, and this guy, like, was an FBI agent. Dead serious. And so the, he's just meeting him. They start talking, and he's like, he's like, you smell really good. And I was like, I was like, I was like, that, that was random that the guy's going to think you're crazy or something or you're trying to hit on him. <laughs> so ends up, watch this, watch this, it's crazy, right? This is how God does things sometimes. Ended up that the guy ended up being a youth pastor for 20 years. And then by the end of the conversation, he's like, hey guys, can I pray for you guys? And so we had the FBI agent that we hit his bumper and messed it up a little bit. They're going to pop it back in. It'll be fine. But he ends up praying for us, and he's like, I have a word for you. I have a word that God's going to use you tomorrow, that, that this love, love the city thing is, is, is going to multiply. Wow, look, look at that. Look at God, right? And by the way, even though the guy smelled good and stuff like that, he looked totally different than me and Jerome. Dressed all like formal. He was an FBI agent, like Mr. Like Stern at first. And then he started to warm up. Didn't tell us too many details, though. It's his training, right? Uh, but, so, but see, here was this guy questioning Jesus. He only wanted to really love the people that looked like him and smelled like him. And basically the people that were in his same tribe. And so, you know what, so many people operate like that today, Christians even, churches even. And many times it's not even intentional, but it's what we naturally do. We're attracted to people that look like us and hang out and do the same things as we do and have the same interests and like the same music and the same books. And we, we hang out with people naturally. We get drawn to that. Why? Because it's comfortable. But many times, God's calling us to not always be comfortable. We have to get uncomfortable. You need to get out of your comfort zone and build with some people that are different than you. So I applaud you guys because if you look around this room, there's some people in this room that are very different than you. But yet, if you get to know them and hang out with them, you'll find, man, we have a lot of things in common. How many people have discovered that since you've been in City Life? Someone that's really different than you. You thought maybe, well, I have nothing in common, but you went to a group with them or you serve with them on a team. And you're like, man, this person's awesome. This person's becoming one of my best friends. They're there for me. That's what God begins to do, right? Because biblically, there isn't a loophole. It means that we're literally supposed to love all of our neighbors. And anywhere you live in America pretty much now, uh, in a in metropolitan area, your neighbors are going to look different. They're not all the same skin color, not all the same background, not the same age, not the same economic bracket, not the same experience, not the same credit score, right? But can you still love them? Can you build with them? Absolutely. And it's an amazing experience as you begin to build with other people. And so... Uh, we started doing this thing called Love Our City uh, a couple of years ago, and 
Um, even though Pastor Jerome came down to Tampa and you know, he was at crossover learning from us, gleaning from us, and there's many things that you guys do that you know, they got inspired from what we do. Guess what? We get inspired from you guys. I mean, when I see this you know, sports camp video and y'all got, y'all got an ice cream truck. How cool is that? You guys did back-to-back events yesterday, serving in the city, loving on kids, loving on families. I mean, we're regularly learning from you guys as well. We get inspired. That, that's how the kingdom works. And, and it's not like corporate. So corporate is like, we figured out this cool uh, recipe. We're going to trademark it. And it's, you know, it's proprietary. We're going we're gonna to hide it because we don't want anybody else to be as good as us. right? Kingdom is like, here, here's what we've learned. Let me give it to you and show you. You take it, and, and I hope you do even better than we do. That's kingdom. We want to see each other win, right? So you guys did this uh, Love the City thing almost four years ago. You guys were just starting as a church. And so I was like, I saw it and I was like, man, I was like, we do lots of outreach all the time. And I was like, but man, I'll be great to do like a week of serving. I saw some other churches that did it too. And I had in the back of my mind, we're going to do that one of these days. But then I saw y'all do it. And I'm like, that's the way to do it, right? So you guys really inspired us. So I went to my staff and I said, listen, I said, you know, City Life just did this thing called Love, Love the City, and I've seen a few other churches do it, and I've been thinking about this, and so uh, when we do an outreach, we have a couple hundred people serve, and that's great, but there's a big chunk of our church that's not serving, they're missing out on it. And I said, you know, why is that? Well, if we do an outreach on a Saturday, you know, we'll have, you know, we'll have a few hundred people come, but there's some people that work on Saturday, a lot of people actually nowadays. And then we have another group of people that kids have sports stuff Saturday. Then you got another group of people that they might be going away that week. And then you got another group of people, it's their day off and they're just lazy and they're not gonna do anything on their day off ever, but we're praying for them. So anyways, so we're like, we need to give people options because people love options, right? You have a gazillion apps and a gazillion things to watch on Netflix and channels and everything, right? So we're in a culture of options. So we're like, let's give people options and even what they're, passionate about. So I said, man, what if we did a week of serving? And, and so my dream was like, let's get 500 volunteers to do 50 projects. And I remember my staff looking at me like, what? We ain't never had 500 people do anything. Flavor Fest was the most. Our conference, like 300 people served. And, and I was like, I think we can do it. I think people understand our heart of outreach. And so we dreamed big. And so what ended up happening that first year? We, we didn't have 500 volunteers. We had 600. And we had to add like not 50 projects. We had to add like 20 more. We did 70 projects, right? And so then the second year we leveled up in 2017, we went, or 2018, we went ahead and we did 107 projects with 1,000 people. And then this year, just a few months ago, we did 152 projects with 1,500 people. And a bunch of people came and served that weren't even part of our church. It was just amazing. So all that, I want to say like, give it up for yourselves. You guys inspired that. You guys pushed us and stretched us. And now here's a really cool thing. The FBI agent yesterday said multiply, right? And so a lot of people follow our church on social media and follow what we do. People follow me on social media. And they saw me posting and our church posting about this love our city thing we're doing. And they're like, man, we want to do that in our city. Teach us how to do it. And so I started doing workshops and showing people what to do. And, you know, and then eventually I felt God saying, like, you need to create a resource kit to give to other churches. And, and they can get this and help them and give them all the nuts and bolts because you can't call everybody and talk to everybody, right? Because I was, like, on the phone, like, regularly with all these people. So we created this box leaders kit. And it came out um, about eight, nine months ago. And there's almost 200 churches now that have gotten a box leaders kit that are doing Love Our City in their city. And so that, that's really, you guys have a part of that. So give it up for yourselves. 
So it's bigger than you even think, y'all. It's, it's amazing. And there's so many great stories that come out of Love Our City. So we said, who lives in our neighborhood? And so we, we wrote up on this board with our, with our team. And we said, man, we got college students. We got a big college up the street. We got, we got business leaders. Uh, we have um, single moms. We have families. We have families in poverty. We have homeless people. We have immigrants. We have senior citizens. We, you know, all these different people groups live within a three-mile radius of our church. And we began to dream and say, what can we do to reach each one of these demographics? What can we do to show them the love of Jesus? And sometimes when churches, you know, think about outreach, they just want to give stuff away to poor people. And people that don't have stuff, man, they need stuff too. And we're going to reach a whole bunch of people like that that were on the list. But what about middle class people? And even people with means that are fluent, like they need to be shown the love of Jesus too, right? So we began to dream and get outside the box. And you guys had some great ideas for us as well. So you know, we fed every teacher, every firefighter, every police officer, every clinic worker, hospital worker in our district with these appreciation lunches. And we did learn to do the gift bags like you did. And then all these pay it forward projects from the laundromat over to like Starbucks. Those people at Starbucks don't need us to buy their coffee. They got the money to buy their coffee, but they'll take a free coffee. And then we invite them to the party. And just so many amazing stories have come out of it. And so give it up for yourselves one more time. You guys are a part of that, man. So what did Jesus say to this guy looking for the loophole in Luke chapter 10? Well, he replied with a story, a parable. And it was out a priest, a religious leader, and a Samaritan. And it almost sounds like the beginning of a bad joke, right? There's a police, a relig- you know, there's a priest, a religious leader, and they, they walked into the bar. No, it wasn't a joke, though. So verse 30, it kicks it off, and Jesus said this. He shares, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him up. They left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, and when he saw the man lying there, he crossed over to the other side. What? The priest. Like, if anybody would have helped him, you would have thought it would have been the pastor, right? But he looked at him, crossed over to the other side, and kept it moving. So I try to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, well, maybe he was in a hurry. Maybe he had to get to a counseling appointment. You know, in Jericho, he was in a hurry. It was a 17-mile journey. Maybe he was tired. Maybe he was just thinking, like, this dude's beat up. It might be a setup. And if I stop and help him, maybe the people that beat him up are going to beat me up. So I'm, I'm just going to keep it moving, right? I don't know. wasn't a good look. We'll find out if we talk to him if he's in heaven someday. I don't know. So the story goes on. Said so Jesus uh, said a temple assistant then a little later walked over, looked at him lying there, but he also passed on the other side of the road. So he came walking along, and he actually saw him. He actually went over to him. This is like a church leader, you know. He walked over to him and was like, you know, oh, he got a post. He'll be okay. I'll pray for him. I got to keep, keep moving, right? What? So now we're 0 for 2 for the church leaders. It's not looking good. They didn't stop and help. If anybody would have stopped and helped, you would have thought it would have been them. But then here's where it really gets interesting. The third guy comes rolling along in verse 33. And it says, then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he had, what did he have on him? Help me out. What did he have on him? Come on, come on. Where are you at? What did he have on him? Compassion. Are y'all, y'all awake today? Somebody say compassion. All right. I, I like when people talk to me. So, but, 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 but notice, look, look at that verse. What kind of Samaritan was he? Despised. Now, you don't have to have grown up in church to have known something about the story about the Samaritan. 
Maybe this might be your first time to church in your life, but you still have probably heard the term in culture at some point. It's not known as the despised Samaritan. Help me out. It's the what Samaritan? It's the, the good Samaritan, right? But see, if you don't know some of the context and some of the history, you'll miss the punchline because in Jesus' culture, when he was telling this story, Samaritans were not known as good. They were despised. They were the bottom of the barrel. People hated Samaritans. So Samaritans actually lived in their own little area. They called Samaria, and the Jews stayed away from them. If they were trying to travel from the southern part of the region to the northern part, that was in between. They would literally cross the Jordan and go up the other side of the river and then cross back over to get to where they were going. 25 miles out of the way because they didn't want to walk through Samaria. They didn't want to see those people, smell those people. They didn't want to eat their food. They didn't want to drink from their wells. Why? Because they thought they were better than them. And Samaritans were outsiders. They were misfits. They were half-breeds. They were mixed. They weren't full Jewish. They were mixed with some other ethnic groups. And so they were looked down at as second-class citizens because of even their ethnic background. Anybody here mixed with some things? Anybody? Man, I'm, I'm mixed with all kinds of stuff. I don't even know. I'm not telling you what I am. Right? So... Man, imagine that. They're the misfits. They're the outsiders. People didn't like Samaritans. But, but here in this story, in context, Jesus highlights this Samaritan as the good guy and changed the narrative of historically of what Samaritans are known as. I mean, I was reading an article the other day online, and it talked about a police officer that got beat up, and along came a guy to help him and save him, and guess what they called the guy? A good Samaritan. Even headlines of secular newspapers uh, will say, like, they'll use that terminology. Jesus is the one that redefined who they were, right? There was no such thing as a good Samaritan back then. So, yeah, these two religious dudes come, they just kept going. But the Samaritan came up and had compassion on him. The Samaritan was actually the hero of the story. Wow. Look at what happens next. It says, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, so he walked, put this Samaritan, put this Jew, this hurt Jew, on his donkey. Now, now listen, think about it for a second. This Samaritan probably went through some discrimination in his life from some Jews. If you think about it, maybe, maybe his dad got beat up by some Jews. Maybe his cousin got locked up by some Jews. You know, maybe there's all kinds of like complexity there. And so he could have easily walked by that hurt Jew and been like, that's what you get, fool. He might even kick him a couple times, like, oh, you know, right? But no, he's the one that helped him, not the church leaders, but the Samaritan, the despised Samaritan, because he looked at him not like, oh, this is a Jewish guy. We're, we're, we're like at odds, like Jewish people are always like, they always hate on me. But nah, he was like, this guy right here, he's a human being. He's my neighbor. He's made in the image of God, the Imago Dei. So I have to help him. Like, see, the two religious leaders were thinking like, well, if I stop and help him, what's going to happen to me? But this despised Samaritan was thinking, if I don't help him, what's going to happen to him? Wow. So he puts him on his donkey, right? Took him to an inn where he took care of him. Scripture says the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man, and if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. Then Jesus asked the guy, 
that was trying to put them on blast and put them out there. He asked another question. I, I love it when Jesus like does the setup. There's so many times he does this in scripture. So he tells the story, then he does the setup, looks back at the guy that's saying like, who is my neighbor, you know? Uh, then he says to him, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man that was attacked by bandits? And I think at this point, I, I wanna watch the, I believe in heaven someday, they're gonna have like a heavenly DVR. We're gonna be able to watch the scenes back. But I, but I think in this case, the guy kind of knew he was being set up and people were probably gathered around watching being like, oh, what's he gonna say? You know, I think he kind of mumbled and he's like, well, pfft, I, I guess the one that showed him mercy, pfft, whatever. You know, probably just like walked away, you know. And Jesus said, yes, yes. And as you're walking away, yes, now go do the same. That's what Jesus says to you and me today. Go and do the same. There is no loophole. We're supposed to love all of our neighbors, even if they look different than us, even if they don't like us, even if they don't like Jesus or like that we go to a church or it doesn't matter. We're supposed to show them the love of Christ and plant those seeds. And you don't love your neighbor to earn God's love, right? You love your neighbor because it's an expression of what God has done for us. Anybody in here been changed? Anybody got a story? Anybody got some transformation that's happening, right? So we don't have to go do love the city. We get to go do love the city. We get to. We get to, like, spread that love and share with somebody else. And even if we're going through some pain and some struggle right now, like I talked about at the beginning of the message, like, this is something that can even help us get outside of ourselves and get healing. God can use us. And when God begins to use you, man, something supernatural begins to happen. Every single person, just like you guys, when we did all these projects, we invited them to the Love Our City party, which was a big party that Sunday at church. We had a lot of extra things. It was incredible. And every time we shared the gospel at that event. And so those were some of our biggest Sundays in our church history. And this past year, when, the week after Love Our City, we had 105 people start a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Come on. How do we know that there was 105? Because we made them fill a card out, and then if they filled the card out, they could go get a free book in the lobby. I have a book that I just came out with called Next Steps on Your Spiritual Journey. And so, you know, there's actually a lot more than 105 cards that got turned in because some people just wanted a free book. We're like, that person gets saved every week, and we're not counting that one. You know, that person serves on the dream team. They, you know, so they just wanted a free book. But 105 people that literally were all new, we didn't recognize their names, and many of them checked off on there even that they were you know, first-time guests. So we followed up on all those people, and then the following week, we baptized 72 people. Man, incredible, y'all. So there's so many incredible stories. People have gotten discipled. They've gotten plugged in. Uh, there's people that are on our worship team that are leading ministries even. They came to Love Our City a few years ago. Now they're leading. So many great stories have come out of it. Let me just close with this really one quick one, because here's the thing. You don't always see immediate results with everybody you touch. Now, some of you are going to touch some people that week, and some of you might be like, man, I met like seven people that told me they're coming to the party this Sunday. And then you're going to be waiting at the party, like, and for maybe some of you, like, none of them will come. You're like, I didn't see anybody. And you're, or maybe you saw, like, one, and you're like, oh, well, only one came. It's about the one, right? 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 It's about the one. But see, they may not come that exact Sunday or the next week or the next month even, but you planted a seed. And you have no idea what God's going to do with that. God may send them to some other church. God may bring them here, but it might be six months later. They're going to remember that touch and that love that they got when they're going through some transition or some trouble or, you know, something that's some turmoil in their life, right? So a couple of months ago, right before we did Love Our City, so it was almost a year after we had did the previous one, this lady came up to me in the lobby after service. 
She had a bright orange gift bag. That's what we give to our first-time guests. That way you can recognize them as well, right? So she comes up to me, and she had her gift bag, and she, she wanted to talk to me. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? How are you doing? And I was like, oh, your first time. And she's like, hey, do you remember me? And I was like, uh... You look familiar, right? She did look familiar a little bit, right? So she's, I'm like, where do I know you from? She's like, from the laundromat. When y'all came and did Love Our City, I used to work there. I'm like, that's right, I do remember you. Tell me your name again. She's like, my name's Elizabeth. I said, that's the same name as my mom. I remember. She's like, you told me that before. <laughs> I was like, oh. I said, so today's your first day to come to church? And she's like, no, actually, I came last Sunday for the first time, but I didn't get a gift bag because I was just going through some stuff because the day before I was about to commit suicide. I was like, Whoa. like the needle on the record of the conversation went, <laughs> like, whoa. And she said, I lost my job recently. I've just been going through so much stuff. I've been depressed. And I live in the neighborhood, and I was walking by, and I saw the Love Our City banner and the sign, and I reminded me of you guys, and I wanted to come in church, but I was hesitant. I didn't want to come, but this guy in the parking lot team, man, give it up for the people in the parking lot team. Come on. Pastor Jerome said they're shooting threes out there, right? The guy in the parking lot ministry stopped me, started talking to me, prayed with me, and then grabbed me and invited me to come in and brought me inside, introduced me to his wife. They went and sat with me in the next service, and it was amazing. God touched me. I'm feeling so much better. I'm back this week. I'm doing better. And, man, come on, give God some praise. You never know what God's going to do. So... Here's the action step right now. I just want to have one action step for you. If you're here today and you would say, yes, I want to be better at loving my neighbor. I, I, I want God to help me. I want to do it at my job, at my school, in my neighborhood better than I ever had before. If that's you, I want you to stand up right now. I want to pray for you. I want you to stand up. You're saying, I want to be a better neighbor. I want to love Lansing well. I want Jesus to use me. Awesome. Beautiful. Look at that. Here's three simple steps before I pray for you. I want to challenge you with three, three simple things. If you could pop those up. First thing is this, pray for your neighbors. Like really pray for them by name. That person that lives next to you, that person that sits next to you in class, that person that works, you know, in your office. Pray for them by name. Really begin to pray for them. The second thing is love people that are different than you. A lot of times we don't reach out to people that are different than us. And many times, you know why? It's because of pride. Because we think they might reject us or think we're weird or they might, you know, make fun of us or we're going to feel awkward. And it's pride. Look at, look at me, y'all. Get over yourself. <laughs> Just get over yourself. Come on. Just be bold and let God use you. And like I said, you're going to find that you have more things in common than you think. I've been able, God's given me a grace to be able to reach so many people that are way different than me. And I've become, some of, the, some of my best friends are very different than me. I would never dreamt or imagine that they would be as close to me as they are. But God does that. And here's the last one, y'all. Find opportunities to serve him. Like Pastor Jerome said, love our city. Uh, love the city. It's just, it's just a primer to get you warmed up. We're going to do corporate stuff together, but it's something that we want you to get a taste of and then begin to dream about that you'll do it all day, every day. And you'll begin to put on the lenses of Jesus and look at the people that you work around and you play around and you shop around and you live around and begin to look at them and say, man, how can I serve them on a regular basis? Not just once a year or once a quarter or when we all get together and go do something on a Saturday with the ice cream, love our city truck. But hey, let, 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 let me do this like every day. Let me be the hands and feet of Jesus. So let me pray for you today. I want to just invite you to just lift your hands up as a form of surrender to say, God, I want to receive this, this power. Jesus, I just come before you. I, I lift up my family here at City Life.
I thank you for this, this army of people that are standing, that have hands raised up, and they're saying, God, send me. Use me. Use me to be a better neighbor, to love my neighbors. And God, as we're kicking off the Love Our City series right now, we're getting ready to do the Big Serve Week. In just a couple of weeks, God, stretch people to be able to give of their time, their talent, their treasure, God. And I pray that this year's Love the City will be the most amazing week, God. There's going to be just so many so many results and spiritual fruit that we're going to see out of it. Do stuff inside of people that they'll begin to start things that they'll do every day. Every day, God. And I pray for blessings upon City Life Lansing, the leadership team, the dream team. God, keep using this church to do amazing things and inspire other churches and create movements and multiply. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen. 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 Come on, give God some praise. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.